I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. took it down Climbed a mountain and I turned around And I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Well, friends, we're in the fourth week of a sermon series called This Is Us. And as we were planning this series... I thought that it would be really important for us to insert a week into this series about dealing with discouragement and depression and anxiety. The point of this series is to get real, right? And to use a tool like the Enneagram to help us do that well, to help us get to know ourselves better, to help us relate with others better. And here's something I need to make clear today. The Enneagram is a tool that helps us get real and relate better, but we're not trying to, t- to tell you what, what your number is. We're not trying to choose a number for you or even convince you that you have to choose a number at all. And so if you feel like, like you're being confined and put in a box instead of finding liberation through, through knowing yourself better, then you've missed the entire point of this series, which is to just get real with ourselves and our neighbor using this tool, exploring these numbers, which has been used for centuries by Eastern Christians and more recently Western Christian theologians to do just that. And so I hope that it hasn't just been about identifying your number for you. If it's just that, it's not enough. I hope it hasn't just been about feeling like we're telling you that you have to have a number or know your number. I hope it has been about about knowing yourself holistically so that you may love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and so that you can love your neighbor better as yourself. And so I I trust that you have felt us getting real these last few weeks. I hope that you have laughed a little with us. Sometimes it's funny, right? Perhaps you've laughed at yourself. Perhaps you've laughed at your spouse or your sibling or your child. But today I want to take a little break from laughing from that kind of comical banter as we dive into a topic that I, that I know 
I, I know we need to talk about if we're going to if we're going to do this series about putting the Enneagram to work in our very real lives. And that is how we deal with with discouragement and depression and anxiety, how it crops up in us. The good news is that as we do this today, we do this with the knowledge that scripture says there is a season for everything. There is a season to laugh at ourselves and our siblings and our spouses, but there's also the season to be sad and to lament. There's actually a book in the Bible called Lamentations, which literally just means let's get sad together, Israel. <laughs> so today we're, we're going to get sad together. We're going to do a little heavy lifting together. And, and if you have, if you have never really been discouraged, if you have never been depressed, if you've never really been all that anxious in life, I just want to thank God for you and for that. I hope you never feel that way. But sometimes your friend is going to get there and your spouse is going to get there. Your coworker or your brother or your kid is going to get there to that place of utter discouragement and depression or anxiety, and you're not going to know what to do. And so maybe this sermon is for you right in this moment, right now, or maybe you need to file this sermon away for a rainy day when somebody in your life needs to hear it, or when you do. Earlier this morning, we heard, we sang together, Lord, I need you. And I, I want that to be our prayer today as we enter into this, this conversation. Lord, I need you. We need you, God. As, as, suicide, as suicide rates and depression and anxiety are at this all-time high, God, may this sermon be our prayer today. Lord, I need you. As as we dive into this conversation about suffering, about discouragement, about depression, about anxiety illuminated by scripture in one hand and this, this tool of the Enneagram in the other hand, we say, Lord, we need you. We need you. The good news is that scripture doesn't leave us alone in this today. Did you hear the scripture just read? Paul in, in this moment of confrontation and conflict amid, amidst the church in Corinth, um, he, he's got, it's gotten so bad. It's gotten so bad that, that he's all up in his head and he's so anxious. He's so in his head and he's beating himself up. And he's so anxious that even those who compiled the gospel titled this section, Paul's Deep Anxiety in Troas. He's beating himself up. Those phrases that swim through all of our minds that take over our lives and, and, and the way we see ourselves, they are just swimming through his head. Paul, what are you doing? Paul, who do you, who do you even think you are? Paul, how will anyone ever understand you? Gosh, you're nothing, Paul. Gosh, you're such a terrible leader, Paul. And it says in scripture that in, in the midst of this, he allowed himself to be outwitted by Satan. Consumed by that voice of the accuser in his head. And he could not rest and he could not sleep and he could not eat. 
Paul, one of the greatest evangelists and theologians of the Christian faith, the leader, one of the greatest leaders of our faith, battled severe discouragement, depression, and anxiety. And when this kind of fear and discouragement crops up in Scripture, one of the ways that Jesus always seems to name it, one of the ways that Paul named it here, following in the footsteps of Jesus, is, is this voice of of, of Satan, 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 which really just means the accuser. That voice that churns in each of us, whispers to each of us, and depending on how well we know ourselves and how, and how we make sense of our relationships with others, has the capacity to get louder and louder and louder until it absolutely consumes us. Jesus calls this that Satan, that accusing voice, and Jesus knows it to be the most dangerous thing to finding fullness in God, fullness of life and wholeness. And so as we pay attention to this voice today with the intention to know ourselves better in order to be able to, to, to quiet it, let us use this tool. That's all it is. This tool, the Enneagram, to help us do that. And so we start off today with, with the gut triad, right? Our eights, our nines, and our ones. Gut triad, the primary weapon that the voice of the accuser uses against you all is guilt. Guilt for not doing enough. Folks in the gut triad, you live your life asking this question, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I accomplishing my mission? Am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough dad? Am I a good enough friend? You're caught up in those questions. And when, and when you've tried to do everything you can and you're tired and it's never enough, that, that Satan, that voice of the accuser comes in and says, see, see, if you're in the gut triad, you often feel this great deal of guilt for not doing enough. And you're and you're running yourself ragged, and so you're you're running from the from rest and you're running from God and and you're running from worship and you're tired and 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 you're running low on spiritual and emotional fuel. And that accusing voice is whispering into your ear and getting louder and louder and louder. Sound familiar? And so eights, how, how, how do eights feel guilty? The eights, the challengers, you feel guilty for just being too much. I'm just too much for people. Here's what happens to eights. You, you just get burnt out because you're tired of hurting people and overwhelming people and being too much for people. And if you're not careful, eights, that Satan, that accusing voice, is going to, to convince you that your strength is a sin, actually, and that being strong is a sin, and that's a lie, eights. God made you strong. Don't ever be ashamed for being strong. You ask yourself, did God mean for me to be this strong? Yes, God did. God just wants you to control it, and, and that's what meekness is. Meekness is not weakness. It's, it's power under control, eights. You feel guilty, 
and you get isolated in that guilt. And then you feel lonely. And so what you do, eights, when you're unhealthy and the guilt of being too much is, is, is up to here, you isolate yourself more and, and you separate yourself more and discouragement and depression and anxiety and that guilt and anger about all of it sets in and the voice of the accuser gets louder and louder and louder. Nines are, are peacemakers. The, the accuser whispers a message of guilt in your ear too. Not for being too much, but, but for not standing up. Nines, I wonder if you've ever had a, a conversation like this with, with yourself after a frustrating encounter or conversation. Gosh, gosh, why didn't, why didn't you say that? Ugh. Why didn't I say that? I should have given him a piece of my mind. I should have said that. I can't believe I didn't say that. I'm going to send him an email. No, you're not. And nines, you just beat yourself up for, for never standing up, never standing up. And instead of facing your trials, nines, you run to some kind of coping mechanism for it. And for many nines, listen to me, that is often alcohol. And so as the peacemaker, you, you desperately want peace and and you might think that depression and suicide may never occur in your mind. But the voice of the accuser doesn't start with depression and, and, and suicide. The voice of the accuser starts with a drink, with some kind of coping mechanism. And in order to, to run from conflict, in order to numb yourself from the pain of life, the accuser might say, might I recommend addiction? Eights, when they are depressed, it can come out in a fit of rage. But nines, nines, when you get to a place, when nines get to a place where they, they could contemplate even taking their life, it's because they can't numb themselves anymore. They've, they've numbed themselves for so long, they, they just give up. Because life is too painful, and you feel too guilty for not standing up. Ones, you, you feel guilty for, for not being perfect. Those of you who aren't ones, can you imagine how miserable that is? If you're never going to be perfect and you feel bad about it, never going to be perfect. None of us are, but you constantly feel bad about it. The rest of us are just happy with the sea, but you... You get 103% and you say to yourself, I, I should have gotten the bonus question correct. How tormenting that is. Think about that. So here's, here's what the voice of the accuser sounds like for the one. If you were really a Christian, if, if you really were a good person, you wouldn't have said that or you wouldn't have done that. You see, guilt is the accuser's weapon for what we, we should be doing. I should do more, I should do less, and the accuser continues to spin lies in our mind every single day, and we're asking, what am I even doing? The eights, 
what am I doing? I've, I've got to gain control. I've got to be strong. The nines, I've got to find peace. I've got to establish my inner peace. The ones, I've got to get it right. And right when you're weak, when you're at your lowest point, that voice whispers and spin lies, you didn't do enough. If, you, if you're in the gut triad, that's when you've got to listen to Jesus who says, friends, don't you know I've already done enough for you? Ones, you don't have to be perfect. I am perfect for you. Nines, you don't have to make peace with, with everyone in the world. I've made peace with the world for you. Eights, you don't have to run from who you are. I died for who you are. Don't ever let the accuser whisper lies that you were made wrong into your ear. God knows how God made you and God wants to redeem you there. Now, often people get confused between guilt and shame, right? And there's the, the pivot for the heart triad. Um, this is where, this is the difference between the, the gut and the heart triad. Guilt is something that I feel for something that I've done. Shame is something I feel bad about for who I am, right? So guilt is external, shame is internal. Guilt says I did the wrong thing. Shame says I am the wrong person. So that accusing voice would spin lies in the gut triad. What are you doing with your life? Well, for the heart triad, that, that accuser would whisper, who do you think you are in life? I'm nobody. I'm nothing. The heart triad feels shame for not being enough. You're never enough. So if you're a two, you're ashamed that you don't, that you don't really matter. If I stop serving, if I stop giving, if I stop doing all these things, for all these people, they're going to realize who I really am. And they're going to see that I'm, I'm not enough. And so I've got to keep losing sight of myself. I can't ever declare my own needs. I have to take care of everyone else's needs because if I don't serve them, they're not going to love me because I'm just not enough. And so the accuser whispers in your ear, you know, the Kingstown Communion wouldn't even care about you if you didn't serve and if you didn't give. They don't appreciate you. They don't love you. They don't, they don't even miss you when you're gone. And sooner or later, you've left the church. Threes, you feel shame for, for failing to succeed. You feel shame when you have failed to succeed. And if you're raising a little three, you better prepare them early on that failure is inevitable. It doesn't matter how talented they are. There's going to be something that they stink at. It's going to happen at some point. And the world lies to us threes. The world says to a three like me, you can be whatever you want. No, I can't be. I can be who, whoever God has made me to be. I, I, can, I can be whoever I can be within the context of who God made me to be. One of the reasons we've got these little kids so stressed out and miserable over scores and colleges and careers is because we've lied to them their whole life. 
twos can become ridden with discouragement and depression and anxiety when they feel that, that, that they've served everybody and they still don't actually have any real friends. Threes become ridden with discouragement and depression and anxiety when we feel like we failed, utterly failed. And, and if you love a, a, love a three, our, our lives might look amazing to you, but, but we don't feel that way and we don't see it that way through our eyes. We, we see it through our own and that accusing voice is on repeat. Fours, you're ashamed that, that nobody gets you. Nobody gets you. You live at such a deep level. Your feelings are so much deeper than the rest of ours. And so what the accuser whispers in your ear is people don't really care about your depth. People don't really care about your creativity. People don't really care about the thoughts and feelings you have. And the accuser just lies and lies and whispers and nobody gets you. You're all alone. You don't fit in. But fours, God didn't make you to fit in. God made you to change the world and to know to know that you are perfectly made and to show us the world in this different way. And now the head triad, the accuser, the accuser doesn't come at them with guilt, doesn't come at them with shame as much. The accuser nags and gnaws at the fives, the six, the sevens with fear that can be debilitating. There's, there's just enough fives, sixes, and seven. There's, 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 there's just enough to get by. There, there's, there's, there's never enough to get by. God, what if there is never enough? And so you're worried there, there's not going to be enough. If, if you're in your, if you're in this triad, the world is just having this heyday with you all the time, aren't they? This is, this is what the news is, right? Tonight at 11, the accuser will speak directly to your fears, fives, sixes, and sevens. If you're a five, you, you have such a fear of a lack of understanding and emotion, and, and you're all up in your head, and the world doesn't make sense, and people are scary to you. Now let me speak to a, this special group of people. If you're if, if you're both high four and high five, that's one of the most conflicted and, and tumultuous places a person can be. Hear me. If you've ever just wondered, why does it feel like there's this battle going on inside of me? Maybe this is why. People who are, are high four and high five, it can be so hard to be you. And that accusing voice inside of you may be the loudest of all. You know why? Because as a four, you have, you have this, this, this expansive emotional depth. And you can be drawn toward depression easily. 
And as a five, you sit in your skull all day long and your mind is swimming with anxiety. And if you're high four, high five therapists and theologians have done intense work to, to conclude that you are at profound risk for clinical depression and anxiety. You are. You need to know that about yourself. You have to know that if you don't know it already. And, and God made you beautiful, high fours, high fives. But if you run away from that reality, it will eat you alive. Sixes, our, our loyalists, you have a fear of a lack of security that you're never going to be safe enough. So the fives are, are afraid of not understanding and emotion. The sixes are generally afraid of everything. And the sevens, you just fear that there's not enough time and not, not enough space. There's never enough. There's just not enough time to enjoy these things. You get anxiety about missing out on something. Sevens, you get, you get worried you're being trapped and, and, you, and, and you can't say yes because something else might come up. I recently asked a seven, have you ever thought about ending your life? And her answer, flippantly, was, what, rid the world of me? That is so not real. Because sevens, if, if that anxiety that there is never enough time and space, if you if you allow that to eat away at you and you chase gluttony and thrill as a way to cope with that feeling, drinking too much, indulging too much, the accuser can so quickly get all up in there and change who God made you. And now we're no longer dealing with your God-given bubbliness. We're dealing with chemicals that have altered who you are. Friends, this voice, this accusing voice is whispering in all of our ears. And Jesus dares us, prods us to pay attention to it so that we might be able to quiet it. And you know, one of the best ways to pay attention to it is authentic relationship. It's, it's real community and vulnerability. A couple of years ago, the University of California re released this, this extensive study that showed that even introverts, even introverts are better off in community. Even people who feel safer alone are worse off by themselves. God did not make us for isolation. They spent millions of dollars on this study, but but we can find it right in scripture. And so what are these, these whispers in community? What are, what are these whispers? That's what the scripture today that we read is about, this, this church that is in conflict. And, and Paul is ridden with anxiety over, over confrontation and conflict, ridden with anxiety and is is beginning to give in to the whispers of the accuser. And what are these whispers like in authentic community? Why, why, why do it? Everyone's just a mess, right? You don't need that in your life. What's the point of church when, when you can just do faith on your own, right? 
You can find your piece on a mountaintop and it's just easier and it's less messy, right? The accuser's voice will always be speaking into your life isolation and division and disconnection. Why do you think it's so hard to maintain a rhythm of worship and invest in authentic, real relationship because it's counter to the whispers? Authentic relationship is always counter to the whispers. It's counter to the, I'll never do enough for others. It's counter to the, I'll never be enough for others. It's counter to the, I'll never have enough. It's counter to the guilt. It's counter to the shame. It's counter to the fear. And it's, and it's, it's so absolutely the hardest thing we will ever do. And yet it is the daily, weekly, ongoing answer to our discouragement and our depression and our anxiety. It's the only thing that will help us know when to call BS and lies on the accusations that are in our minds, that churn in our minds, and that lead us deeper into discouragement and depression and into anxiety. And finally, friends, if if you are battling depression, if you are ridden with anxiety, if you are fighting day and night discouragement, there is a significant possibility that you may need medical help and a radical life change. All of us at some point will need to ask that question. If you are discouraged and depressed and anxious, Jesus invites you to the well of living water to come be renewed and to be refreshed and to be overwhelmed by the presence of God instead of being overwhelmed by the world. But Paul also said to Timothy, don't drink water alone. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach too because you're sick too often. We can run from the miracles in scripture, but we also have to run to the struggles. We can run to the miracles, but we have to run to the struggles. The apostle Paul saw God do great miracles, and he knew that God was not going to solve every problem he had. So sometimes we have to go to a doctor. And God may be very well calling you today to seek out a therapist, to get tested, to find the medication that works. I did it. So many of us have done it. God may be calling you there. And in the midst of this, we have to recognize God's presence and power. God's presence and power in authentic community. God's presence and power in finding help. At my lowest point four years ago, when all the lows of life felt like so low and all the highs of life felt like so high, when I had lost all equilibrium and discouragement and what I can now identify as clinical depression and severe anxiety that, that threes cope with, it was eating me up. And I was drinking more and I was checking out more and at my lowest point, I asked a mentor of mine in this kind of desperate voice, why are the lows so low and the highs so high? And I will never forget what he said. 
The lows are so low and the highs are so high, Michelle, because you're participating in the ministry of Jesus. Michelle, you've got to remember that that we as Christians, we believe that God and Jesus descended to the depths of hell and then ascended to the heights of heaven. And you're participating in that truth and God will always meet you there. God will meet you in your discouragement. God will meet you in your depression. God will meet you in your anxiety. And God will meet you as you seek out authentic community, as you as you soak up the presence of God and as you get the help that you need. I urge you, friends, not run away from who you are and to not run away from that discouragement and that depression and that anxiety that is eating you up. Make sense of it so that you won't be overwhelmed by the world so that you won't be overwhelmed by that voice of Satan, but you'll be overwhelmed by God's presence in your life. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, in the name of Christ his Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May this next song, O My Soul, be a prayer for you today. table of the Lord. There is peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace at the table.